This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Amen. That was, that was so good. Are you kidding me right now? So I walked in the church this morning. I heard that song. I'm thinking, that is so good. I wonder, like, is that Hillsong who wrote that? Is it Justin Bartlow, New Life Worship? I was like, are you kidding me right now? It's, I've said it before, I, I love that I get to work with such talented musicians who don't act like talented musicians, you know? It's so nice, and, and that's true all over this church. I get to partner with such talented people in every area of ministry, and you don't have the, the, the attitude, the expectation, the walls up of talented people. What a gift it is. What a gift it is to be able to, to be here today and to serve with such an incredible church community. And if you, by the way, this is just free. It's not even part of the sermon. But if you have kids and kids ministry, if you see your life group leader, if you see a worship team member, a guest service person, just thank them today for being such an incredible part of our church because what a gift it is. And I am so glad that you chose to be here today. So fun seeing a bunch of Sonoma State students coming back into the area, starting school up. I'm excited for you guys to be here. Um, And if you're brand new with us, my name is Kevin, and I'm going to guide us through the rest of our morning together. There are two things you're going to want from your programs to kind of keep us all on the same page. The first is this card that says, Start Here. It's our connection card. And if you just put your name and email address on that now, uh, you will, we'll give you some ways to partner uh, with what God's doing in your life and partner with the church and the city a little bit later. We love to pray for you, so you could put prayer requests on there and answer prayers. And this just helps, helps us connect with you, helps you connect with us, and with the city. And, and ultimately, our prayer is that you will want to connect with God at some point on this journey. And when that day comes, we want to be the church that helps you take that step of connecting with God. The other thing you're going to want are these teaching notes because they have the Bible verses on them that we're using today, some fill-in-the-blank spots, uh, and some places just to take your own notes, write down your own thoughts. So go ahead and, and get that out. And uh, we are wrapping up. We're in the last week of a series that we're calling Rethink It. Uh, and Rethink It has been a series for the last, I don't know, month and a half or so, where we've taken um, unique topics and said, what if we rethought that topic in light of who God is and what God says? And normally as a church, we'll run through a theme for, you know, four, six, seven weeks, but we've been doing these unique different topics and saying, what if, because we all have opinions about these things, what if we rethought them in light of what God says about them? Because here's what we found out. Um, What we think— what we think affects what we do. And to show you that, I want, I want to ask you a question. You're going to have to raise your hand, but I have a pretty good feeling we're going to have like 100% participation. Um, raise your hand if you've ever lived with someone, a housemate, a roommate. You should raise your hand now because, listen, you were born somewhere with someone, okay? So even if it was one day in the hospital, we've all lived with someone. Now think about this for a second. You know that when you live with someone, if it's a healthy relationship, there are certain negotiations that we figure out, certain things that happen where you come in with different opinions, but you come together. You know, uh, this is, is the refrigerator. This is breakfast. This is dessert. We kind of figure those things out. This is the right temperature, how we want the TV. But there are certain things in every housemate situation where doesn't it just seem like no matter how much you talk, you cannot, you can't get on the same page. You can't get on the same page. My wife Maria and I have been married for eight years, and we've recently come across one of these things where no matter how much we talk about it, we can't get on the same page. And it, it circles around the problem of steam in the bathroom. Steam in the bathroom. 
See, we have a problem in our house. When we take showers, the bathroom steams up. Am I the only one who has it steams up? Um, and we have different opinions on how to de-steam the bathroom. Her thought is there's a, there's a window above the shower. She thinks, open the window, that will help funnel the air out, and it will de-steam the bathroom. So every time she showers, she, she opens the window. I, on the other hand, I, on the other hand, um, believe that on a cold day, when the cold air meets the hot air of the shower, it actually creates steam and does not eliminate steam. And I'm going to sell my case because I have a microphone right now. So, so she gets in the shower, window open, okay? I get in the shower, and what do I do? It happened again this morning, because we've talked about this. I've drawn out diagrams and charts, but we, we just don't seem as much as we talk. We have different thoughts on, on the window. So, so I get in the shower, window's open. It's about, I don't know, I'm from Southern California. It felt like 10 degrees outside. It was probably like 60, you know? And so I did what any good Christian male would do in that type of situation. I waited until she left the bathroom, and then I shut it, right? So then, I didn't want to get into that this morning. And yet here we are. <laughs> here's, here's why this is so important. We have different thoughts about how to unsteam our bathroom. And our thoughts are leading us to two very different actions. And isn't that true in all areas of our lives? The things that we think affect the things that we do. The things that we think about life, about family, about marriage, about ethics, about God, if there's one, are there, are there many gods, uh, eternity, all these questions, all the things we think about affect what we do with our life. And so we've been asking this question. We've been saying, don't turn your brain off when you come in, but let's look at, you know, five, six, seven topics that we all have opinions about, we've all thought about, some of us have deeply held beliefs and convictions about, and then let's rethink that in light of what God says, because God promises us that if we think like he thinks, we will live and act the way he created us to live and act. And if we live and act the way he created us to, we will experience a life of abundance and joy and purpose. And it will be better for us, and it will be better for our family and our neighborhood and our city. And ultimately, the promise of God is that when we live that way, it will actually change the face of the world. So we've been saying, what would it look like to rethink these various topics in light of God. And today we're talking about this question. What happens five minutes after we die? So the question for the morning is this. What, if anything, happens to us five minutes after we die? And I want to give full disclosure. I wrote this message on Monday morning. And then Monday evening, when I got home, I found out that Robin Williams had passed away. And and so I did not write this in response to that, but this seems fairly timely in light of what for many of us did not seem like a celebrity passing away, but, but almost like a part of our family or a friend passing away. So what, if anything, happens to us five minutes after we die? We all have thoughts about it. We all have opinions about it. Some of us think that five minutes after we die, we cease to exist. We cease to be. That's all there is. That's all there was. That's all there ever will be. Others of us think that five minutes after we die, or maybe with a blink of an eye, we, we come back to earth as something else. We reincarnate. We start this whole process over again. Others of us think that after we die, we, we maybe sleep for a good amount of time, and we're, we're, we cease to be, and then somehow we get brought back in some way, either eternally or temporally or, or something. And some of us would just think, well, I die. I, I guess I'll figure it out when the time comes. Now, I want to be very clear about this. Having never uh, had this experience, I cannot pull from personal uh, experience. You won't hear a lot of personal stories from me today. 
about what happens after you die, because I haven't, haven't been there, but I do have, I have some of the same questions you have. I was thinking about some of these questions. I thought, well, is it going to be, is it going to be like a bright light when I die? Or um, is it going to be quiet and serene? For you introverts, that's probably what you're hoping for when you die. Like, quiet. Is it going to be loud, like a big celebration? Guys like me are like, that's what we want. We're banking on a party when we die. Um, you might ask questions like, will I see people that I know when I die? Or here's a better question, will I like the people I see when I die? Will my mother-in-law be there? Will I be sad about the people that I don't see when I die? See, these are, these are, are questions that we ask, and one of the questions that, that is on my mind is, will I actually ask the Creator, those questions I swore I would ask when I die. You know the question. It's like, well, when I get to heaven someday, I'm going to ask him that. I wonder, when I get there, will I actually ask him that when I die? And like I said, having never, having never kind of been there, I'm going to not pull from personal experience, but I want, to, I want to dive into what God says about it, because these questions tend to come up for us when, when like what happened on Monday uh, afternoon in the news, when we find out that someone that we have kind of shared life with dies, it, it, it pricked our collective conscience to this type of question. But these questions lay dormant until someone close to us dies or a tragedy happens. These, these questions lay dormant in us until we get that call from the doctor and those tests came back positive, which means that it's most likely going to be a negative thing. And then those questions come up. And my hope today would be that before we get into extreme circumstances, we could actually explore this topic so we would have some insight, some understanding, and some comfort when those tragic situations come up. So what if anything happens to us? Five minutes, or you could say with a blink of an eye after we die. And then the underlying question that I want to explore today is this. Does what happens on that day impact how I live on this day? Does what happens on that day impact how I live on this day. And as I explored the teachings of Jesus, I came upon a, a parable, which is a story with a main meaning. Jesus taught in parables all over the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Sometimes it says he went, he went his whole, you know, months just teaching in these parables. And parables are stories with a main meaning to help us get a spiritual insight that we would not already have. And Jesus told tons of these. But this parable that we're going to come upon in Luke 16, is unique because this is the only parable that Jesus tells where he actually names one of the characters in the parable. And because he names one of the characters, some, of, some people, some uh, folks who study the Bible believe that this isn't actually a parable, but it's a true story about someone and something that really happened to them. Others say, no, it's not. Some think it's a hybrid. I honestly do not know the answer to that question, but here's what I do know. This parable, this story that Jesus tells in Luke 16, it answers those two questions. What if anything happens to me after I die? And how does what happened on that day impact me on this day? To set up the story, there are two men we're going to hear about. One of the men is very rich, and the other man is very poor. And in Jesus' day, if you were rich, people believed that you had God's favor and God's grace and God's love. So the more money you had, the more God loved you. And they believed if you were poor, God had either forgotten about you or he was judging you. So, so the whole culture, the whole society looked down on poor people, looked up on rich people. You're rich, you have God's favor. You're poor, you must not have 
God's favor. God must have abandoned you or he must be judging you for some reason. And Jesus tells a story. And the first thing he says about these two guys, you're going to, I'm going to, well, spoiler alert. Both guys die. The rich man goes to hell. The poor man goes to heaven. And immediately his, his audience is saying, wait a minute. Are you telling me that anyone can go to heaven? And Jesus was saying, yeah, anyone can go to heaven. Rich or poor, doesn't matter your ethnicity, doesn't matter your gender or your age. It doesn't matter what you have done or what's been done to you. Jesus is saying everyone, everyone, all people can go to heaven. And in his day, that was a radical statement. So that's the backstory of it. And we're going to pick it up in Luke 16, verse 19. There's this rich man, and he's dressed in purple and fine linen, which was the color of royalty. So this guy's a big deal. He's, he's kind of, he's, he's a royal symbol. And he lived in luxury every single day day. At his gate, so he's so rich, he's got a mansion, and he's got a gate around his mansion protecting it. At his gate laid a beggar whose name was Lazarus. And this beggar was covered in sores. Just imagine that. This guy's laying there at the gate outside of this mansion, and he's got sores all over his body, open wounds. And he was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. And if you've got kids, you, you, you can picture this because your kids, what do they do? They're eating something that they like. They drop it on the floor. And what do they do? They just jump down to try to get it. I have to stop my three-year-old. I'm like, we don't need to eat that right now. That's okay. Not that, don't call on me. Not that extreme. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, son. But in the ancient world, even more, it's saying this guy was so poor, so hungry. He wasn't even poor, he was poor. He was so poor. He was so hungry that he would eat the scraps of food that fell on the table where, where the, 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 you know, the, the flies were and the dogs were running around. Was, oh, it's disgusting. That's how, that's how poor he was. He longed to eat the food that fell from the rich man's table. And even, get this, even dogs came and they licked his wounds. So he's laying out there and he's so weak. The dogs are coming up to him and they're licking the open sores of his legs and he can't even fight them off. And a time came when the beggar died because he's so weak he can't even fight off these dogs. And the beggar died. And the angels came and they carried him to Abraham's side. And, and Abraham, if you're new to Christianity, new to the faith, Abraham was this guy who God said, from you, I'm going to make a great nation. They became known as the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And basically, this is a picture of heaven because people believed wherever Abraham went when he died, that's where you want to go. So if you, you want to be when you die at Abraham's side, it's a picture of heaven. So the angels came and they took him to Abraham's side where Abraham is, that's where you want to be. And the rich man also died and was buried. Which brings us to an interesting point. Death. Death is a reality for all of us. And it's a reality that we all try to avoid. We spend millions of dollars as a country every year trying to extend our life, trying to push it out, trying to make sure that we have as much time here as possible. And, and if we live in Southern California, at least making it look like you've extended your life. You know what I mean? Like, shh, you know? So, we all try to extend our lives as long as we can, but, but we're all going to die. We're all going to die. I did some math, and I was talking to the Lord about this this week. And I said, Lord, I would like somewhere between 50 and 65 years, because that would put me, uh, you know, around 97 on the top end. That seems like a nice long life. I would enjoy, I would enjoy that. But we're all going to die. Three people die every second around the world. And yet it's a topic that we rarely discuss 
until we're woken up to it by a tragedy. So I want to look at this story and say, what are some insights we get about what happens to us when that last breath goes out and no more breath fills our lungs, when we take that long blink and we never open our eyes again? What happens to us five minutes after we die? And we get uh, at least three insights about what happens to us five minutes after we die from this story. We're about to see in a second that five minutes after we die, we will be wide awake. We will be wide awake. We do not cease to exist once we die. Both of these men are going to leave this world and wake up somewhere. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, uh, he had two men next to him, two thieves next to him, one on each side. And one of the thieves looked at him and he basically said to Jesus, Jesus, wherever you're going, I want to go. I, I believe in you. I want to I want to go there with you. He said, reserve a space for me. And Jesus looked at that man and this is what he said to him in Luke 23. He said, truly I tell you, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Not someday, not after you've gone to purgatory, not after you have slept for a long time, but today, on this day, you will be with me in paradise. Five minutes after we die, we will be conscious and awake somewhere. And five minutes after we die, we'll be filled with either incredible gratitude at the goodness of God or else horrible regret. Incredible gratitude or horrible regret. Verse 22 said that that rich man also died. And we'll pick up the story in verse 23. And in Hades, which is a uh, another, another word or idea for hell. In Hades, he was in torment. He was conscious and awake and in torment. And he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger into some cool water so he can cool down my tongue because he says, I am in agony in this fire. And, and the idea is that it's, it's, it's a place of torment, of pain, of agony. Verse 25, but Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And he says, and besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm. It's been set in place so that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross over from you to us. So we see two locations. We see Hades, which is another idea for hell, which will be conscious. You will be awake. It's the idea of complete separation from God. We hear stories about um, horrible wars and genocide uh, and, and children sold into sex slavery, and we hear phrases like this a lot. It was hell. It was hell. Do you know why people say that? because they're saying it doesn't seem like God is present in that place at that time. What he's saying is hell is a complete and total absence from God. The worst thing we can imagine, we, we intuitively give it the name hell because we say, God, where are you? And after this man dies, he goes to a place of complete separation from God. On the other hand, we see Lazarus, who's at Abraham's side, this picture of heaven, and I want to talk to you for a second because I know in a room our size, some of us are here and we are exploring our faith. We're checking out God. We're, we're trying to say, okay, if there is a, a, a unique center point to, to spirituality, is it Jesus? And I want to say, I am so glad you're here 
I am so glad you're here. We created this church for you to come in. We want to knock down any barrier and every barrier that would keep you from exploring and experiencing God. That is why we exist as a church. And you have all the freedom you want right now to explore and to ask questions. And and we want to have honest, open dialogue with you. But there will come a day when every one of us will make a final decision. Whether we believe in Jesus or we don't. And it will either be an active decision saying, yes, I believe in God, or no, I don't, or it will be a passive decision. Because on the day that we die, whatever decision we've made with our lives, either actively or passively, will be cemented into eternity. I had a friend ask me just this last week, if God is loving, why? Why would he send people to hell? That's a great question. It's an honest question. It's a question that she's wrestling with right now. And here's what I said to her. I said, imagine two fingers. This one is God and this one is us. God's desire would be that we would walk with him in this world and walk with him in this life and that when we die, we would pass from this life into eternity, continuing to walk with him. But God loves us and he knows for us to have a relationship of love with him, he had to give us free will, which means that some of us will choose to walk separately from God in this life. For those of us who choose to walk separately, saying, God, I don't want to have a relationship with you in this life, as we head into eternity, God will allow that decision that we have made to be cemented for all eternity. So it's not that God sends us to hell, it's that God allows us to live with the choice that we made for all eternity. And for those of us who have chose to walk with God in this life, when we enter into eternity, we'll have incredible gratitude. And for those of us who have chosen either actively or passively not to engage with God in this world, He will simply allow us to live apart from him in eternity. And we'll be filled with incredible regret. But here's the great news, because anytime we come to church, we want good news. The great news is that God doesn't want anyone to walk apart from him. The great news is that God moved heaven and earth, that God did everything that we needed so that we could have a relationship with him. Look what one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 16 says. It says, God loves you. God loves you and you and you and you and you and me. God loves the world so much that he what? That he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him, whoever walks with him would never perish but taste eternal life. He says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world because the truth is the world was already condemned. We had already made our choices. We were already separated from God. God didn't condemn us. He left heaven and came to earth to save us. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Just think about that for a second. God's great desire is that no one would walk apart from him, but that everyone would know him. And and there is no, no barrier that God has not climbed over, broken through, jumped over, ducked under to get to us. He's done everything. He gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin when he came to this earth so that we could be forgiven, so we could have a relationship with our Father, so we could have the opportunity to walk with him every day of this life and then walk with him into eternity with incredible gratitude. Can you imagine a God like that? There's no God better. Listen, if you're going to get excited at some point today, this would be a good time. This is amazing. And get this, look what, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about what would it look like on that day for those who walk with God. He says, on that day, there are going to be things which your eyes have never seen. The most beautiful sunset, the most picturesque scenery, 
the beauty you saw when your child was born. He said, heaven will make that look like a garbage dump. That's how much better heaven will be. Things your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, the most beautiful symphony, the most wonderful words. Uh, I got some friends over here who got engaged last week. His most wonderful words were, uh, yes, I will. Yes, I absolutely Praise the Lord. That's some wonderful words for you. But do you realize that, that when you get to heaven, even those great words will seem pale in comparison to the words of God speaking to us? He says things have never even entered into our heart. We can't even dream about how amazing it will be. All that God has prepared for those of us who love him. Five minutes after we die, that cancer that ravaged our bodies will be no more. Someone dies in a tragic car accident. The, the, the gashes and the wounds that, that cause them to bleed out will be no more. The sadness, the sorrow, the pain, the hurt will be no more. The tears will be no more. When we, when, we, when we close our eyes and take our last breath and blink for the last time, we will open our eyes face to face with our Savior. And all the things that we thought were so painful and hard and bad will be no more. And we will be overwhelmed with gratitude to our God. So much so that the Bible tells us that we will just spontaneously break into praise of God and say, God, you are so good. You are so good. How did you do this? All those things I thought, where were you, God? Now I see you. You were there with me. Oh man, I get excited. And I got a cold. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Five minutes after we die, five minutes after we die, God's desire for us is that we would be struck with incredible gratitude and not deep regret. And finally, we're going to look at this. Five minutes after we die, we will reflect on our lives with crystal clarity. The rich man answered, because Abraham just said, I'm sorry, The decision you've made in this life has been cemented for all eternity. And the rich man answered, then I beg you, Father, I beg you, send Lazarus to my family because I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they may not also come to this place of torment. Five minutes after he died, the rich man had clarity about what mattered most. And it wasn't his, his 501k, and it wasn't his family, and it wasn't his, his great house with the wonderful wall around it. It wasn't his kids' achievements. It wasn't his stuff. It wasn't the vacations he took in the ancient world. Listen, those were all good things and fine things and fun things. And praise God that we get to do those things. But that was not what mattered the most to him five minutes after he died. He looked back with clarity and said, you know what matters the most is me walking with God and those who I love walking with God. That was the thing that mattered the most. And this man spent eternity regretting the choice he had made. Regretting the choice he had made. And he said, I I just wish I could go back. I wish I could go back and, and tell my family about the great love of God tell my family. You notice he doesn't blame God for where he is. He blames himself, and he has incredible regret because God had opened every door. God had moved heaven and earth to reach this man, just like God moves heaven and earth to reach us. He said, I just wish I had done it. I wish I had lived for what really mattered. I started with a question this morning. Does what happens on that day impact our lives on this day? And for the rich man, the answer was no, it really didn't. It really didn't. And he lived with regret for eternity because it didn't. But I have great news for us today. 
we don't have to live with regret. You and I do not have to live with regret. The greatest regret we would ever have would be to, to not start a relationship with Jesus. That would be the greatest regret. But I think many of us live with regret sometimes that God never intended for us to live. I'm going to say something, and I want you to think about this with me for a second. When it comes to regret, the greatest enemy of today is someday. The greatest enemy of today is someday. And it looks a lot like this. Someday, I'll follow that dream. Someday, I'll pursue that passion. Someday, I'll get healthier. Sometimes it takes this phrase, when the kids go to college and leave the house, then I'll work on my marriage. When the kids leave for college and go to house, then we'll move to that place we always wanted to. Then we'll have the career change. Then we'll follow our passions. Or how about this one? When I retire, then I will follow my dreams. Then we'll take that trip we always wanted to. Then we'll, we'll, we'll do the things we always wanted to do. The greatest enemy of today is someday. And here's the problem with those things, is that if you add up enough somedays, do you know what you get? You get to be 80 years old and have a life of regret. And God didn't invent us and, and create us and partner with us so we would live with regret. God lived with us and partnered with us so we would enjoy today. Here's what I believe, and I believe this with everything in me. I believe that in this room right now, there are hundreds, hundreds of God-ordained dreams that are locked inside of our heads and locked inside of our hearts because of one word, someday. Someday. Someday I'm going to fix my marriage. Someday I'm going to change careers to the one I've always wanted to do. Someday, someday I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in my kids the way I know I want to. Someday. For me, I was just at a conference this past uh, Friday and Saturday, or Thursday and Friday, and I got convicted about my someday. See, when I was a kid in Little League, I fell in love with special needs children. Uh, we did something called Challenger Baseball League. So after Little League was over, we'd stay on the field and uh, a group of, ch- of children would be bussed in who had special needs, emotional and, and physical uh, and intellectual handicaps. And we would get to partner with them. We would bat together. We would run the bases together. And I always got partnered up with this one guy and I loved him. He was awesome. He, um, he had Tourette's, which meant that he spit a lot and he cussed a lot. Uh, and when you're a 12-year-old boy, someone who spits and cusses is like your best friend. So uh, he didn't get in trouble for it. It was amazing. <laughs> and, and so every, I couldn't wait to look. I'd look forward to it every week. Baseball would end. We'd hang out. We'd eat our ices. And then the, the kids would come and we'd play this baseball game. And I loved those days. And my parents are both in education and we had separate vacation schedules. So when we had our week off, we would just go to their school and we'd work in the SDC class. And we'd, we'd partner with the kids. And, and I loved those days. And then I went to college and, and I went to Sonoma State for my undergrad. And I started working with an organization called Saturday Sidekicks, partnering with special needs students on Saturday mornings, just playing games and loving them. And here's what I told myself when I graduated from college, man, someday I want to get involved in working with special needs kids. And as I, I watched this conference, a number of special needs students came up and they were doing a song. And I realized it's been 11 years that I've been saying someday. 11 years. And I said, I'm not, I'm not going to live for someday anymore. I got to do something different. I'm going to do it for today. And you know, I'm a pastor. So first thing I'm thinking, well, what can our church do? And then I thought, no, no, no. What am I going to do? What's my next step for today? And I want to ask you, 
I know some of you have dreams right now. You, you, you hear things about women being sold into sex slavery and you think, I want to make a difference in that. Someday I'm going to make a difference. Stop. Well, someday, what about today? Some of you think, man, my childhood, the way that I was raised, it's killing me. Someday I need to go to counseling and get that stuff figured out. What if we stopped waiting for someday and started living today? The day we die, there are going to be two dates on our tombstone, the day we were born and the day we died, and they'll be separated by a dash. And that dash is the totality of our lives. And God would want us to live every day of that dash without regret. So I want to ask you, what's your someday? What's your someday? Maybe even saying someday I'm going to start volunteering in a ministry because I know God's gifted me to work with kids or to lead a life group and partner with people. Someday I'm going to start serving in our, in our community, working with the poor. Someday I'm going, to, I'm going to bring my faith into the workplace and let that be an active part of who I am. Someday I'm going to do that when I, when I get a certain position or when I get enough money that, you know, it doesn't matter if I get fired. Someday I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you the greatest enemy of today is someday. This man went into eternity with regret, and God's great desire for you is that you and I would never, would never have regret, but that we would live every day with him, every day. So I want to give you some ways, some simple ways to to put this into practice as we wrap our time up together. The first is this. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with him, I want to tell you today is your day. Don't wait for someday. When I did college ministry, I I met regularly with a a young man named Andrew. He was 18 years old. He was a, a culturally Jewish man, uh, had no faith in Jesus. And we'd study the Bible together probably once a week or every other week for an entire semester. We got to know each other. We became friends. And, and as time went on, I would ask him, what, is anything stopping you from saying yes to Jesus? And he'd say, I, you know, I will. I just want to explore some more. I want to study some more. I will, I will, I will. Um, he went down to Southern California where he lived one Christmas break. And I got word as the day before school was starting up, I got word that as he was driving back up Interstate 5, he lost control of his car. And I don't know if he was texting or fell asleep or changing the radio. I, I don't know. He lost control of his car, went into the ditch, flipped it, and died. And died. And my heart broke and I grieved because all of us would say an 18-year-old kid has so much life ahead of him. He has tons of days to make decisions. And he missed a Sunday. He missed us today. And I don't say that to, to, to mess with your emotions or to play with you, but I gotta say this is so important. Don't wait. Today is your someday to say yes to Jesus. Mark that day. Walk with him in this life because we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And God's great desire is that you would walk with him today in this world. And then when he invites you into heaven and you wake up and you are overwhelmed with gratitude, you will be partnering with God. And I can tell you on that day, every day with him will have been worth it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you've never said yes to him, I'm going to pray and give you a chance to say yes to God today. Today, because today is the best day. Tomorrow will be a good day, but today's even better. Next Sunday will be seven days worse, but it'll be a good day, but today's even better. Today is your day. Today is your day. And if you, if you used to walk with God, but you've walked away from him, recommit yourself to God today. Say, today's the day I'm going to live with you, not someday. I'm not going to get serious about my faith someday. I'm going to get serious about my faith on this day. It's not always easy, but it's always right, and it's always good. 
Another step you could take is if you are a follower of Jesus, the first thing God says to do is to share that personal decision publicly with the community through baptism. Baptism is a way to celebrate what God has done in your life with those whom God has called to partner with you in this life. And on October 12th, we're going to have a baptism service. And I would love to have a celebration on that day. I mean, to rock the house, to pray, to celebrate, to worship, to cry. I want that to be a great day. So if you've never been baptized, if you have questions about it, Make that decision today. Maybe you're thinking, well, I kind of got sprinkled as a baby. Does that count? Great question. Mark it on your card. We'll talk to you about that a little bit more. And then the last one is this, and this is going to seem a little roundabout, but I want to say this. This September, we're going to be promoting our life groups, and life groups, we're kind of rethinking this whole thing. I'll tell you more about it in the series to come, but we're rethinking this whole thing uh, about what life groups are, but they're just a small group of people who we we form friendships with and share life with, and, and I think I think life groups are key because that's where we form friendships. And in those friendships, we, we laugh and talk and pray together. We share our dreams together and we encourage each other. Make that someday today. Make that someday today. We just encourage each other to live the life that God created you to live. What an incredible thing that is. And I'm telling you, if you've never joined a life group, now's the time because we're revisioning and rethinking the way we even go about having these groups. And I'll share more about that in the next couple of weeks. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. So if you're thinking about that, I want you to, to mark that down and just make that say, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I don't know which day, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you that our someday would become today. And I'm going to pray for you if you're ready to make a decision for God. So let's close our eyes and pray together. Lord Jesus, there are so many God-ordained dreams in the lives of my friends in this room. I mean big, beautiful dreams. Some dreams that start right at home in, in, in restoring a marriage, in, in healing a relationship, in being the dad that you called us to be. Some big dreams that start at home. Some, some big dreams that, that flow into the workplace to be the person you created us to be as we work. Some big dreams about changing the world. And and that could be as, as large as, as helping eliminate sex trafficking or, or lack of clean drinking water. I don't know, but here's what I know, God. In this room of my friends who are so excited about you, there are dreams that are trapped by one word, someday. So God, I ask that for many of us in this room, you would change our language from someday to this day to today. God, would you, would you invite us as we go home to explore what it looks like to unlock those dreams today, to start that journey today? Would you put a, a, a passion and a dream in our heart today, God? And then would you give us the courage to walk that out? Would you show me what it looks like in working with special needs students today, God? Today. And Lord, for my friends who are here and they've never said yes to you, I pray that they would sense you calling them to you today. Thank you that you love all of us that when we are far from you, you called us to yourself. And if you're here today and you're ready to make that decision and say yes to Jesus, then as we pray, just repeat these words. Say, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, I want to I have a relationship with you, God. Yes, I want to walk with you in this life, God. Yes, I want to walk with you into eternity, God. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your spirit? And would you show me, Lord, how to walk every day from this day forward with you and walk right into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.